So the world is not our home, but if you look really close, or is it? Mm. That's what uh, today is going to be about as we kind of transition from uh, a different way of uh, looking at things, a different perspective, uh, a biblical perspective. Uh, we get some information about um, the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, we have uh, been talking about what we call a current heaven, people who die today in the Lord where they go. Um, Spend a little time on the current hell, which would be people who don't die in the Lord where they go, but we didn't spend a lot of time on that. Um, do you think it's good we spend more time on heaven than hell, or should we switch that? Should we vote on it? <laughs> We're going to spend more. It, this series is called Heaven, Not Hell, so, but it does creep in. But the new heaven and the new earth, this is something we forget about. Most of the scriptures about heaven in the Bible are about a place that has not been created yet. Because when we think of heaven, we think of where people go now. That The new heaven, the new has not been created yet. Uh, it's promised. It's talked about a lot. It's even talked about in the Old Covenant. You know, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered nor come to mind. This is in Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65 and 66 talks about this time period. But where we get this the most is in Revelation 21, 22. It starts out, then I saw, and I as John, the, the apostle, looking at this vision, um, a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven, which would be the one we're talking about, and the first earth, which is the one you're happy hanging on right now, uh, has passed away, and the sea was no more. Uh, so you look at this, this is what most of the Bible talks about, what we call, uh, most time we'll call it new heaven, but it's newer, it's the same place, Okay. That's hard for us. There's not like a heaven up here that's new and an earth down here. No, it's all one thing. Where is heaven? We define that heaven is where God dwells. Well, that should tell you something about the new earth. It's where God's going to dwell. And, you, and we'll look through Revelation 21 through different uh, lenses. Today, I just want to talk a little bit about how we describe it and a little bit about how life goes uh, as we look into these things. Um, some people talk about it's indescribable. Uh, that the, the heaven, the new heaven is just indescribable. And I'll always ask the same questions. Well, what do you mean by that? You know, well, it, is there anything you can describe about? Some people say, well, we, we won't know exactly. Well, we won't know exactly. Um, I've never been to Paris, but I think I could describe some of it. But until I get there, I probably won't be able to describe the whole thing, experiencing it. But just because you can't describe everything doesn't mean you can't describe some of it. There's probably parts of Denison and Crawford County you guys don't know much about, let alone the new earth, the new heaven. Uh, so, but we know something about it, right? Now, many religions, uh, Buddhism for sure, and Hinduism to some extent, they characterize the afterlife as vague and intangible, and, but biblical Christianity gives a description. There's actually more in here than you think, and that's essentially what this series is about. Let's look to what God has said, and then we can decide how to imagine and, and how that makes a difference in our life. What has God revealed about it? And he's actually revealed quite a bit. Um, it's a place, and that's always, it's always a place. Uh, you see this in, in John 14. You know, we use this uh, for different reasons. Uh, it's a good, you know, the upper room discourse is, is wonderful. But Jesus says, uh, there's more than enough room in my father's home if it were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? A place, you know? 
If I said to you, let's go to some place, do you think you're just going to stay where you are and think differently? No, you're going to probably have to get up and move. Um, when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, that may have been a little bit different than you're used to. That's the NLT version, which kind of gives us a little bit different way of looking at it. Sometimes it's nice to look at a different translation just to get your mind around it. But Jesus does this in a couple of ways. Um, he's doing two things here. He's, where is he going? We get this idea that Jesus is talking about packing his bags, you know, and getting on an airline or whatever he does. You know, I guess he can float and stuff. That's much easier for him. But he's going to go to heaven and he's going to, you know, get the maids and the butlers and they're going to get everything ready for you. He's kind of talking about that, but not really. I mean, how does, where is Jesus going in context here? This is the night before he died. We just sang about it. How does God, how does Jesus prepare a place for us? Well, the first way he does that is by dying on a cross so that those, all who fall short of the glory of God can believe in that and then have access to God for forever. So he, that's what he's going to do. You don't have a place with him if you don't accept that offering, that grace. But he also talks about the Father's house. It used to be a song we sang when the kids were little. It was just three chords. Anybody could play it, um, you know. In my father's, you know, come to my father's house, a great big house with lots and lots of rooms where you can play football and all that kind of, it was kind of a cool song. I mean, it was this fun song, but it was showing how, you know, in my father's house, we get messed up a little bit with some of the older translations. This is a metaphor, folks. Um, the idea that there's a place for you, but what is the key where he's going? You know, uh, he's going to prepare that, but it's a place. And what is he ultimately preparing? Well, current heaven, then final heaven. Um, and, you know, I, if you didn't know, my first career was an actuary, a math geek. Um, the geek part has not left. Uh, so you get a lot of charts with me, you know, and, and, and I apologize. Well, actually, I don't. If you don't like the charts, don't read them. Um, but I hope they help. You know, we have our heaven chart, you know, which is nice and in color. We'll keep printing those out. Where we're going today is from this the current heaven, we're coming down to this final heaven and talk about that quite a bit because that's what the Bible talks about. And you notice if those who believe and, and, and Jesus entrusted him and die, you, you've got, they go to current heaven and then once the second coming, the final judgment, they go to final heaven. There's no crossing over here. You know, some people teach that, which is I guess, okay, it's just not biblical. <laughs> you know, there's nothing in the Bible that says that people who go, die and go to heaven end up in final hell. And there's nothing in the Bible that says people who die outside of belief in the Lord and go to hell end up getting a second, third, fourth, 19th chance and gets over to... Yeah. Again, if God wants to do that, that's up to him. He just has never revealed that. So we're not going to teach that. Um, if he gives you a mulligan when you, somebody, that's up, get up to him. There's just nothing in there that says that. And so we're, and then you're going to get another chart in here because one chart's not enough, right? Maybe, maybe next week we'll do all charts. I don't know. No words, just charts. Uh, but this is just, to, again, it's to help you just think about, you know, because this, again, this is the question we all ask. If you're not asking this, you're just not thinking because this is going to happen. I look out here, some do probably earlier and some later, you know, it all depends. We don't know, right? I mean, I'm not being morbid here, although that's what actuaries do. 
of morbidity and mortality tables. Doesn't that sound fun? Oh, yeah. Q's and P's and net single premiums. and Oh, that was a fun time. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's, it's reality, right? Eventually, this is what it all comes back to. I mean, we all know what's going to happen, right? Uh, and you tend to think of things differently when you realize that than when you don't. And, and it hits us at different times. So I've heard it said, you know, that nothing in our present experience suggests what heaven is like. And I'm like, well, is that true? It's a new what? It's a new earth. Well, I had not seen that, but I, I, I kind of hang out in the old one or the current one. So might the current earth give us some clues of what the new earth? Why would you call it the new earth if it was not like the current one in some way? I bet it's even round, maybe. I don't know. Seems like a globe uh, to some extent. Uh, this term is used in the Bible for the final heaven, the newer. The, it, what are the terms used for this? Well, we get the term city. You know, and I've lived in both small town like this and cities in both. And they both have their pluses and minuses. Because some of you people, you know, if you live on the farm, you're like, oh, a city? That sounds like hell. <laughs> and some people, I've been around them who live in cities, were thinking, ooh, a country? That sounds like hell. It's like, so what the heck are we talking about here, right? Uh, well, it's 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 metaphor, but it's real. We know what a city. Uh, uh, what is a city but a come together to live? And that's what this is all about. But and it talks about bodies in there that we're going to move around, and we got work, and we got rest, and you know, you start thinking about maybe the problem with not understanding what heaven's going to be like is we don't give our ourselves a chance to think about it and read what's there. John Eldridge uh, written a lot of good books. Um, he said, we can only hope for what we desire. That's interesting. And it's John Eldridge. You don't have to agree with him. But we can only hope for what we desire. We can only put our, is this something I want? And that's what I'm hoping through this series. I hope you want heaven. You do realize it's better than this, right? Most of us know that. The older you get, the more you know this. Uh, mortality hits us quickly, you know, the more people we know. Psalm 37, we've used this before. Delight yourself in the Lord and Yahweh, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I always like that. It's just getting the first part right, right? I always want the desires of my heart, but sometimes the desires of my heart are not what delights in the Lord. And if you can get those two to line up, if our delight is in this final heaven, this final earth, this new heaven and new earth that comes along and the things of God, and we start delighting in worship and prayer and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I said that before. I think it's a pretty good line. If you are worshiping and praying to God and you're bored, you're probably doing it wrong. I'm not saying it's all happy all the time. If you go to a funeral, it's not like, hey, yay, you know, I mean, maybe to some extent, but we, we miss those that have died, right? I mean, it's hard. It's not boring, right? I mean, I've always said, I have friends that always bring this back to mind. I was like, you know, weddings and funerals are interesting as a pastor. You get to do a lot of them. And in weddings, most of the time, when you do the little message, they're just waiting for you to shut up. Because what's coming? 
Well, you got all kinds of fun. You got the I do's. They're going to do all the reception and all that kind of, which is, I think it's great. It's time to celebrate. So I remember that, you know, so they're usually a little shorter. But when you do a funeral, a lot of times people are, they, they're listening. Why? Well, because when you do a wedding, you're thinking about good things and, and a couple coming together and joy and celebration and life and potential life and families and all that stuff. And when you do a funeral, what are you thinking about? death, and you think about your own mortality, and you start listening. You know, somebody can go through their whole life not thinking at all what happens when you die until somebody they love dies, and then all of a sudden, now they want to know the answers, which, you know what? I'd rather have them know then than not at all. So look at this. You guys don't even have to go to a funeral to get this stuff. This is kind of cool, isn't it? Kind of neat. Randy Elkhorn, who wrote the Heaven book that we're using kind of as a paradigm for this, we can only desire what we can imagine. I kind of like that. Can you imagine what heaven is like? Well, you don't have to have a great imagination just to read the book and see what it says. And then you can imagine farther on. You know, I always try to do this. Is there anything you've done in the last 20 years on the earth that you really, really enjoyed? I remember we were in... Uh, Laguna Beach, that was years ago, probably 10 some years ago. We did some, uh, just some snorkeling, you know, and of course, Brian, he thinks you can go down 30 feet and, you know, thought he was scooby driving. I wasn't doing that scooby, scuba driving. Uh, yeah, and I, I would just love to do that more. I think, I think of heaven as like, it's a new earth where you can just like, don't even have to have like a scuba tank. You can do just go down there and breathe in the water. I don't know, maybe not. But it, that, that was so, they're so beautiful, and then doing that with the family and friends, it was kind of cool. So, again, what can you imagine that you would want to do? The best things in this life are going to be just pinpricks of what we're going to be able to do in the new, new earth. You were created for something greater than this. You're getting to see part of it, though. And again, what's the most important? Doing it together with God and with each other. And the Hebrews 11 scripture, which I use for the, for the kids, uh, but as it is, they, these are these people that never saw Christ, uh, never got the final promise yet. They, you know, they got the promise of salvation because Yahweh was certainly with them in the covenants. They desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And look at that. He, he, he makes everybody happy. Whether you're a country boy like John Denver or a city boy like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a city song, but it's not coming. You put in the math right there. It's, it's going to be something. These people look to the future of that. But we have Jesus that comes on the scene and tells us that I go to prepare this place for you. And then John gets all this stuff in Revelation. We get some in Isaiah that shows us a little bit of what it's going to be like. I know what you're going to do. You're going to run home and, and read Revelation 21, aren't you? Well, let me finish first, and then you can go. Um, I suppose if you want to read it now, go ahead. Uh, but this might be, and this isn't arrogant, I don't think. Well, maybe it is. This might be the most important information you get today. It might not. And the only reason it would be is because it's biblical. We're looking at some verses, but this is systematizing this. This is what we're doing. You take all the verses. There's not one book we can go to and say, go to the book of heaven, chapter 3, verse 9, and we'll read it. We have to take each piece and come together to come up with this. And that's why you pay me the big bucks, so that's why we're doing it, right? There's an old gospel song, The World is Not My Home, I'm Just a Passing Through. Um, really? 
<laughs> In some ways, yes, not this one. Uh, this earth is not our eternal home, but the final earth is. Uh, we have to quit thinking that where people go now when they die is what was always intended. This is kind of an aberration. It's temporary. We're waiting for that final heaven, this place. So the best way, I think, to get a feel for what it would be like to, is to look around now. What, what do you like? You know, I, we've got all kinds of things. Some people like one thing, some people like another. I, I don't know how it's going to work, to tell you the truth. I wonder if we'll go to other planets. We'll talk about that another, you know, where no one has gone before. Da, 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 da. Yeah, Star Trek. You know, what, you know again, the, this idea, let your imagination go. Keep it within biblical principles and don't make it weird. But I think looking around at what we enjoy on earth, isn't that what we want more of? And what comes back to, and we'll get into this in later sermons, what difference does it make if you get to do fun things if you don't have anybody to do it with? You know, we all like maybe a little time by ourselves, but that gets, that does get boring, actually. I mean, I mean, you only beat yourself at chess so many times when it gets really boring. You always want somebody else to experience this with. So when we look at this, we've got, and this is, uh, this is our chart. <laughs> we've got past, present, and future. What was it like in the past? Because this is kind of sets all this up. We've talked about the current heaven, we've talked about the current hell. We're now talking about the final heaven. We will talk about the final hell eventually. That's in the future, those things. And then we've had things in our past, and here we are in our present. And what's the Bible talk about in these different categories? We miss this sometimes. So this, this is, I just came up with this chart on Friday <laughs> because I like doing charts. Uh, uh, but the past, present, and then you see present in Christ and future. And it's in your, in your bulletins there. Um, well, the place, what was the place in the past that God was Eden, right? You know, you can read the first, well, chapter 2 and 3, I guess, of Genesis. There's this place. Uh, it's a, maybe it was a garden. It was probably on a mountain. We're pretty sure of that from other texts. But this was a place that the humanity dwelled. There was only two. But now we're on the current earth, right? And then in the future, we'll be in the final earth and heaven. But how you get there and what it means is important. So what about human nature, what we're like? What were, what were, what were humans like in Eden? Well, it's not too hard because we only had two. What were they like? Well, it's called innocence. What does that mean? Well, you can come down to the next slide. They were able to sin or not sin. They had that moral ability within themselves to make a choice. How many commandments were there in Eden? They had one commandment. And they messed it up. We talked about this at length uh, on our Sunday morning Bible study a few months ago, but you look at this. Th so they're able to sin or not to sin. That was the innocence. But we're not there, are we? Eden's gone. It was... Looks like it was taken back up into heaven. You can't get back into it. Now we're in, the present is a fallen. This, this earth is fallen. You can read Genesis 3 the, the, and even Romans 8, the creation groans 
for redemption. Even creation was tainted. Now, we got a lot of harvesters in here, right? This doesn't mean that everything's bad. I mean, I hope you didn't get just thistles when you used your combine this week. I hope you got some corn and, I don't know, are the beans out yet? I don't know. I keep my... But, but you, again, we, we can still good good things. It's a good analogy, but it's not perfect, is it? Um, there's floods, there's drought, there's all these things that happen, and then there's hurricanes and tornadoes and all those stuff. Those are not going to be in the final earth. Did you know that? You won't have any more named hurricanes. Why do they do that for people? You ever understand that? I mean, poor Irma and Katrina. Who's going to name their kid Katrina now? I mean, I don't, why don't you just call it like Hurricane 5 or something? I don't know. Whatever. Actuaries are smart. You know, these meteorologists, they're weird. I don't know. But, the, but so we're fallen. So what happens at the cross? At the We just sung about it. You know, our, our sins are washed away. Now something changes because when you're fallen... You're not able to not sin. Your life is completely tainted by it. You're weak, sick. Our nature is propensity to do the things God doesn't want us to do. We need some help. There's, there, we need rescued, and that's what the cross does. It gives us what we call redemption. It, something changes. Uh, we're able to see things that God wants us to see as far as why we're here and what our purpose is. We have the Holy Spirit with us to help us make choices. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't look too much different between fallen and redeemed. But what's the main difference? The redeemed are there and desire to honor God with their actions. The fallen don't. And as they say, even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. Fallen people can do good things. But that's not for God. And they're still weak in themselves. They're fallen and nothing's been washed away. They aren't washed clean as we've read. This is, this is the big difference. You've got to get from fallen to redeemed. Because those who are not redeemed don't get this future. That's what the Bible teaches. And, th and that's why this is the difference. You know, so we're able to not sin as redeemed. I should have put this in here, but you know, we can, you know, you can get this from memory. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has come to you that is not common to all people, but God is faithful. He's talking about believers there. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's for these people. And, of course, still be smart, because if your hand causes a sin, you're supposed to do what? Metaphorically, right? Yeah. Yeah, but... The, the, but You've got the Holy Spirit and the church to help you. Some things have changed. You have the ability not to sin in every case. And what happens if we do sin as redeemed people? What do we do? Are we done? No. You know, First John 1, 9, you know, the idea of if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's a relationship. Think about it that way. Now you have a connection to the Father because of the Son. You have the Spirit, and now you have the ability, not because you're better, but because Christ has made you better. And we get a different nature. But that's not the final nature, because we've got one more column in our chart. And it's fun. Future. It's our new nature's glorified. Not just redeemed, but glorified. And look at that. Not able to sin. 
You've had this question before, haven't you? People have said, well, in heaven, if I can't make a choice against God, then I'm not free. Well, do the holy angels, are they free? Is God himself free? Or is he under the shackles of only being able to do good things? No, our nature changes. Now we, we can't sin. How does that work? I don't know. But I know it's promised. This is cool. This is good. If you don't learn anything else today, please remember that charts are cool. No, remember that glorified thing. Not able to sin. It's a nature change. That's how we do it. That's what it means to be redeemed. That's what it means to be fallen. It's really not back to Eden. It's something more and better than that. Even Adam and Eve will be glorified. Because back in Eden, they still had the ability in their nature to sin, and we will no longer have that. And do what you want with this, but it, why? You know, have you ever thought about that? This is a rabbit trail. We're not going to go down very far. Why didn't God just go to the last column? I think it's something about the cross. There's something about living in this life and realizing our fallenness, realizing that uh, the relationship we have with God has been severed and having that restored because of the love we see. I suppose he could have done it whatever way he wanted, but don't we have to believe that God did it the most and perfect way? There's something about that that makes it even more meaningful and more powerful, having gone through this. You know, there's days I wonder. It's like, God, couldn't you just went right to this? All the suffering in the world, but it must be morally sufficient reason for him to do that. We have to believe that God knows what he's doing. Um, and perhaps the depth of our love and for each other and for God will be much, much better and more wholesome because we've been on the other side. Um, if you don't like that answer, then the best I got right now. Uh, but I think it's pretty good. I think it's biblical. So the rest of these, you know, our connection to God was very close then. They're walking in the garden, you know, I don't know what they did all the time. We only get one little picture of that in Genesis 3. There's a connection, you know, because what happens when they sin? They hide. It's, they get cut off. Eden's gone. Fallenness, and that's where we've been. It's been a rescue plan ever since. And yeah, and I can step back and think, God, why didn't you do that in just one day? Why did you take all these years? And you can go to Job 38 and get a good answer. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? To quote one of my professors, who the heck are you? To tell me, God says, how I should do this. You know, tell me if you have understanding. At the end of Job of 38 and 39, Job goes, sorry, did I, did I say anything? You know. I'm good. Yeah, he gets it. So now those of us in Christ, now if there's a restored relationship, there's a connection, there's a spirit. Um, it's not, and it, it's always going to be deepening and getting better. You cannot exhaust relationship. It's the coolest thing about the world, I think, about reality. No matter how much time you spend with somebody you care about, you're never going to, well, that's enough. I'm done. I've got to the end of our relationship. No. It's not the way it's created. It's always new, always deepening. That's what we're going to get with God. And so these others, death. There was no death, at least for people. We can argue about the rest of it. 
But now death's everywhere. I mean, if Adam and Eve would have screwed up, I wouldn't have to do any funerals. But we have to do them now. No, I have to. We get to, I think, probably. And for us, death's not final. Yeah, everybody dies, but if you're redeemed, you're not spiritually dead anymore. You know, your, your spirit is alive, your soul is connected to the Father through the Son and the Spirit. And then in the future, it's forever removed. It's gone. The sting is gone. There's a little bit of sting, though, in there. I mean, that sting is still there, you know, but it goes away. Satan, he was in Eden. Another good question. Good rabbit trail. Boy, we could have a long sermon if you guys want to hang out for a while. Um, you know, why one commandment? Why is Satan in there? Who invited this guy? It's a good question. God must have saw a morally sufficient reason to allow him access. But don't do the Flip Wilson thing. You know, Eve tried, and then Adam did even worse and blamed her. Remember? She says, well, why did you? Well, it, it was the devil made me do it. That's, if you don't know who Flip Wilson is and he's younger, you just Google it. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. You tell me. Should, should they be Googling? I think Flip was okay, you know. But uh, funny guy. So, but now Satan is present on earth. We see that throughout the scriptures. I mean, and again, he's not God. He's just annoying um, for both people who are fallen and redeemed. But for you, if you're a believer, the one who is in you is much greater than the one who is in the world, and there's no power that he can have over you because of the spirit that's within you. And eventually he gets thrown into this, uh, makes current hell look like a beach. This is final hell. We're going to talk about that. Not today, later. Aren't you looking forward to that? It'd be fun. Um, and then finally, creation. It was good. It's an interesting word, isn't it? You know, we use that word. You know, what, is there a better word than good for you? If you said, well, I went to the game, how was it? Well, it was good. Or was it great? Usually only if you win. <laughs> it was good. There was nothing wrong with the creation then. But then it was tainted and fallen. That's where we are. But eventually it gets perfected in the new heaven and the new earth. So I hope this chart helps you some, but the idea of this chart is just to think about, these. this answers a lot of questions about why the world is the way it is. And Jesus puts this through, Paul puts this through, Peter, John, all the authors of the New Testament, they kind of talk about this, that we are all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're not innocent of innocence anymore. There's only two people that experience that, and that's over. Everybody born into the world now has a propensity to sin and is depraved and needs a redeemer. That's what Jesus came to tell us. So it helps us. And then how can we have freedom in the new heaven and new earth and not sin? Because our nature's changed. We'll be like the angels. They can actually probably make decisions, enjoy themselves, but they don't sin. Why is that bad? I mean, that's good. You still have free will just within the nature that you had. Think of it this way. Um, if you wanted to fly home today without a plane or a helicopter or one of those little uh, drones, be quite powerful drone, but anyway, you couldn't, could you? Because you're not a bird. You don't have it within your nature to do that. You can walk, but that's a different nature. You know, 
there's rabbit nature and snake nature and cockroach nature. We went to the zoo yesterday. Um, <laughs> butterfly nature. <laughs> but, but human nature now is, you know, even though eventually our nature changes so we don't have the ability to sin anymore. It's a, it's a blessing. Look at it that way. So the world is our home. It is now. It's going to be changed. We're, we were made to live here. But it's, it's been devastated by sin. And that's what God has come with the rescue plan. To change that, in 1 John 3, uh, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. John is usually not beating around the bush in this letter. Um, now, a practice of sin. If you just go ahead and keep sinning and think it's fine, that's not good. And he's saying that. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. In fact, he kind of was the one starting it all in the garden, wasn't he? The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the fallenness and the works. And we, we, we don't have to, I was going to say open a newspaper, but I haven't done that for 20 years. So get on the internet, you can see enough sin, right? It's not hard. I've never had to do a big treaty of trying to convince somebody the world's fallen. That's not hard. You just have to look around. But what did Jesus come to destroy all that? And he, and he already has won the victory. We're just waiting for this consummation. And those who accept his grace can look forward to a new earth. In Revelation 21, the end of this chapter but nothing unclean will in, ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, which is a metaphor for belief in Jesus. Uh, it all kind of makes sense. And that's what hopefully we're doing with this series is I want you guys not only to believe, I want you to know why you believe. I want you to be able to articulate what it means to you. And I want you to be able to understand what God has prepared for you in this life and the next. Because once you know that, everything changes. And I want you to be very well informed on why you're a Christian. And I think the deeper you get into it, the deeper you understand it, the more you'll want it. This is the living water. You're going to want more. And what we try to do here is just keep giving you opportunities to keep drinking and keep drinking. Get into his word, worship, pray, serve. Use your gifts and talents for what he wants because he's got stuff prepared for you. You might as well get started now. Start doing things in this life that will actually carry over into the new heaven and the new earth where sin is gone, death is gone, and our, we are changed into people that can no longer sin. What a wonderful promise. Let us pray. Father, what a wonderful uh, thing, earth, heaven you have in store for us. Uh, forgive us for not looking at it as clearly as you've revealed it. Such a wondrous thing. We don't know exactly what it's going to be like. A lot of that we have to imagine, but you've given us so much information in your word. Help us know that as the best we can. Hopefully for each one here who made the choice to be here, uh, may this help them understand how much you love them, what you did for them, and each day uh, want to get closer to you, uh, both to praise you, but to thank you and to build that connection to you that we get by your grace through your Son in whom we pray. Amen.